0: You know, I just uh, was talking to the ladies uh, last Monday about some real specific things. We're talking, of course, about intentional living. But this last um, segment or lesson that God gave me, I just really uh, felt really strong in my heart to maybe give some of it to our whole church from time to time. And I felt like some of it was for tonight. Um, But the last session we did was on going deeper in God and with others. And a lot of times we're really focused on going deep with God, but sometimes we forget about the others part. And um, in in light of that, as I started digging, I saw some things that were really important. And the first thing that God gave me and wouldn't let me get past was humility. What is required even to have a relationship with God is humility. And in order to have a good relationship with others, humility is required. And so I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, he chose Pride Month for me to talk about humility. Not that he honors that at all. We know he doesn't. Uh, it goes completely against God and completely against everything he's about. And it, interestingly enough, and I'm not here to come against that or to have a platform about that today. But interestingly enough, in studying on pride, even if you go to do a, uh, a word search with pride, in your definition, in your, um, just online, the search brightens up in rainbow and all these flags and things start, you know how when you hit celebration, all that stuff, you know, the confetti and everything, all this stuff starts flying and I'm just trying to find out just the basic definition of pride. And I thought it was interesting that everything has changed so much that even when you go searching for it in a dictionary that it's coming about a corporation or a, an agenda, if you will, right now. And so I'm not talking about the agenda. We are very aware of the agenda. But I want to talk about humility and having a humble heart. And, um, you know, I I think it's important that we we visit this from time to time because um, just in my research, I'm seeing that it's important that we clothe ourselves in humility on a day-to-day basis. And we'll get into this. But, you know, I know... In my own life, and I know Pastor Steve, he knows in his own life who we are not without him. <laughs> I know who I am with him, but I know who I am not without him. And that's what keeps me humble is knowing that I have to have him to be able to do anything that I do, right? And it's a it's a good uh, acknowledgement for us every day to get up and say, God, I'm nothing without you. but And I can do nothing without you. But in you... I'm everything. I can do anything. Like Pastor C was talking about on Monday, on Sunday is when we're in Christ, when we find out who we are, we're complete in him. And we're like Jesus. We, we become the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. There's a new person. I have the DNA of God and I can do anything with him. So it's sort of a, you know, you don't want to get too far over on the left side to get off on pride and and thinking about how amazing you are without him, but yet you don't want to get off on this side thinking how lowly and what a worm you are because, you know, you got to stay humble. And that's not the humility that God is asking of us, right? And so I just want to talk about humble hearts tonight and maybe touch on what kind of heart we have. And there's some, some, um, some things I wanna touch on tonight and some, I, I think it'll, you'll find it interesting, but I wanna read this to you. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. So if there's a harsh tongue, there's an angry heart. A person who is negative all the time has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. Whoops, we're going back over it again. Advance, <laughs> that's okay. A person who has a boasting tongue has an insecure tongue, uh, insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person who is critical all the time has a bitter and proud heart. But on the flip side, on the other side, we're not gonna just talk about the negative or the, the harsh part. A person who is always encouraging has a graceful or grace-filled heart. A person who speaks gently with kindness has a loving heart, a person who speaks out with the fruit out of the fruit of the spirit. What is the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Has a humble and honest heart. And of course, our goal is to have the second half. Um, and so, I want to ask you: you That's a rhetorical question. I don't want you to answer it. But what kind of heart do you have? What's coming out of you? Out of your tongue? Out of your mouth? is what's on the inside of your heart. And so this is not to bring any condemnation. This is a check for us to say, okay, these are the areas that I need to maybe, maybe make a checklist and and ask the Lord to help me with some things, right? Okay, so I wanna talk about pride first. Pride, this is the definition for pride. It's a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, Or superiority to receive glory for yourself, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in conduct. Um, I found it interesting in in my research today, the word ego. Do you know what the word ego means in the Greek? To have a big ego means I am. Who is the I am? So when you have a big ego, you are trying to take the place of God. So what is the root of pride? And, And and. I don't know, has anybody ever studied out pride or humility and just really gotten deep with some things? The interesting thing about the root of pride is pride is at the root of fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety is what drives pride. When we refuse to humble humbly rest in God's sovereign care, fear simultaneously reveals our lack of trust in our poisonous self-reliance. We fear because we don't have faith in God. We are enormously preoccupied with ourselves and we don't have control or we want to have control. So when there's control issues, when there's a higher uh, feeling about yourself, when there's this uh, feeling like you have to make sure everything is going the way you want it, that's a pride issue. And that is um, it is the opposite of what God's called us to. Amen. So in light of that, humility comes from security so when we are secure in who we are in Christ, when we know him, when there's an intimate uh, uh, intimate relationship with him, it brings. Now, I'm not talking about an intimate relationship with religion because religion kills, but the spirit gives life. That's what the word says. And so religion is is an order or a an act of doing something to try to please God. And it's a little bit crazy because faith without works is dead. So we do have to act on what we know. We do get into the presence of God. We do get into the word of God. We do seek his face. We do honor him with worship. We do these things because we love him and there's a relationship and we I respond out of my relationship to him because I love him and I want to please him. Just like when you're in a marriage situation, you want to do what's right on the behalf of that spouse. You want to do what helps them. You want to say words that help them. My husband was writing me earlier today and um, he was joking with me saying, do you love me? He does these funny things. And I said, yes, I do. Do you love me? We were going back and forth, you know. And um, and I, I, he said, how will I know? Okay, we've been married 35 years. <laughs> how will I know? And I thought, well, faith without works is dead. You know I do because of how I act toward, you know, and not just my words, not in word, but in deed, right? And that's the same way with us with God. We, we have to act. We do it out of a heart of love towards him. We don't do it because we have to or that we're earning something. Jesus already paid the price for it, right? We're doing it because we love him. You guys know this. Okay, so I like this quote that C.S. Lewis said, for pride is spiritual cancer. Think about our world right now and, and what's happening and how pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love, true love. See, the basis of the pride that's being illustrated or thrown at us today is all in the name of love, but it is not real love, because real love is God, God is love. So if you take God out of it, there is no love. It's self-driven, it's self-given, it's self-desiring, it's self-appealing, it's self-pleasing, right? So when you put pride in, it's, it's a cancer, it eats up the possibility of love, it eats up the possibility of contentment. There's absolutely no contentment in that way in pride or even common sense. Common sense. And most of us are like, this doesn't even make sense. You know, we're like, come on. But they think it's right. They, they, they are convinced because it's a spirit. You all know that. Okay, so pride puts man and his desires before God. It creates a discontentment in life. So even when you are walking a normal life and you're walking in a sense of pride, you're, you're kind of puffed up about your life and whatever you, you've done or your accomplishments or whatever, it can actually bring a discontentment because unless you have God smack dab in the middle of it, there can be no contentment, right? And it brings confusion and strife. And this reminds me of the scripture in James 3. You guys know the scripture, for wherever there is jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, and selfish ambition, selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Wow. The word says it right there. This is the scripture that says, wherever there is strife, every evil work abounds, another translation says. And of course, we always attribute this to strife, but strife can be it can be, it's not just socially, it can be in your mind. You can have strife in your mind and seemingly be content outwardly, but have all kinds of thoughts and things going through your mind, and it's full of strife, and it brings this spirit into your life where every evil work is abounding. And in my trans, in my uh, study Bible, I was looking at this today, that word confusion in that verse there, it can also be confusion, unrest. The word confusion means tumultuous, tumultuous anarchy in society and in the mind. So it's a societal problem, but it's also a mental problem, and it can cause confusion. And so we have to be careful that we are not so selfishly pushed and desirous of the things that we want, where we're not abandoned. You know, the word talks about it, that that we have to die to live in Christ, right? We, we've died to live, Right? Our life is hidden in Him. And so that's where we find true life is when we die to our own selfish desires and our own, our own um, senses. If we're living in a place where we're driven by our senses, what we want, what we feel, what we think we need, that's the sense realm. And that realm will only get you the selfish desires, and those selfish desires will drive you out of the purposes and the plans of God before you know it. That's why God always has to come first. And what it does is it causes this disharmony. It ca- it's a rebellion, and it brings all sorts of evil and vile practices into our life. You might say, well, how does this apply to me? <laughs> I think it's important that we have an understanding that humility is, I was thinking about it on the way here. The Lord was reminding me of that scripture, submit yourselves unto God. Submit yourselves unto God. You guys know the scripture, 1 Peter. Submit yourselves unto God. What does the word submit mean? So I looked it up before I came. Submit actually means to give up your will to something that is above, an authority that is above, or an authority that is there to help you, to yield to an authority that's there. So it's about your will. A submission is not something that you're made to do. A submission is something that you've willed to do, Right? God cannot come against our will ever. He gave us a will. And so notice the order of that scripture. It says, submit yourselves unto God. What's next? Resist the devil. And then what's next? And he will flee. If we, there are many people that are trying to resist the devil without submitting to God first. And you have no authority when you are not submitting yourselves under authority. You have to submit yourself to authority to have authority. So when you submit your when you have submitted yourself to God, then you have the ability to resist the devil and then the authority comes through because you've actually given your heart over. No one can make you submit. My husband cannot make me submit. That's not true submission. Right? True submission is my heart yielding and giving my will over to him. That is what submission is. Right? And so that whole, I was talking about this with somebody, that whole, you know, submission, husband, wife, submit yourself. That's not a lording over and you got to submit to me woman thing. No, it's a, I'm giving my will up to give my life to you to submit to your leadership because I trust it. Give them something to trust. I'll just say that. (laughs) So you can see how important it is for us when we are um, following after the plan of God and the things that he has for us, that there's a place of humility that we're able to submit our lives to him, to submit our lives to the authority of the word. The word of God is the final authority in our lives, right? Right. This is the will of God. This, the word of God is the will of God. And it's his spoken word to me is the perfect will of God in my life. And so I have to give myself over to what the word, not what I think, not what my opinions are, but what the word of God says, right? Okay, so what pride is not, I want to just touch this. Pride is not, so it's not prideful to do this. Let me say it that way. It's not prideful to acknowledge and appreciate the gifts and the abilities that God has put on the inside of you. That's not prideful. You are to acknowledge what God's put on the inside of you. And there's, how many have some big dreams? I have some big dreams and some big things. And I want to just encourage you, don't shove those things down when they come to you and think, oh, that's pride. You know, I had a dream one time when I was a kid that uh, I was singing. And as I was singing, I heard people in the audience start to shout out, I can see. I can see, I can see. They couldn't see before, physically couldn't see. And I think this is also spiritually now too. But I I heard people saying, I'm healed, I'm healed. And I thought, well, that's, how could God ever use me that way? As a kid, I thought that would not be possible. And there was a time when, when we were ministering and the Holy Spirit had me step out and there was a gentleman in the front row, I've shared this before, And I went up to that person, and I said, I feel like I'm supposed to sing something, a song of deliverance over you. And I sang this song over him, and he just wept and wept and wept. And then later that night, we found out he said he was going to commit suicide that night. And because of just obedience, not because of me, not because I'm so fabulous, but just the act of obeying. See, I think there's something about our obedience, too. We humble ourselves unto God. And he resists the proud, we know that, but he gives what? He gives us grace. Why does he give us grace? Because he wants us to do his will. And so when we humble ourselves to him, there's a place where we've submitted ourselves to him, and he gives us the ability. And when we obey him, then all of a sudden we're starting to see some things happen. See, we can't be so staunch in our ways and think this is the way it has to be. This is what I have felt in my heart. we got to let go of some things we got to let go of some ways that we think are the ways that seem right to a man, but the end is death. We've got to be certain that we're on his path. Guys, I want to just, I want to beckon you to really be before the Lord in this, because we're in a time frame, we are in the last days. I mean, I know we say that, but I think we're really in the last of the last days, and Jesus is coming, and I, you know, I... It just, you know, those two gentlemen that came up here Sunday and got saved, and then we found out there was another one that got saved, another one that rededicated. That's why we do what we do. It's about people. We're here for people. We're here to be equipped, yes. We're here to be built up. We're here to be encouraged. We're here to be catapulted into what God's called us to do. But we are here for people. And if someone were to come in here and I were to treat them in such a way, that was prideful and arrogant because of what i think or what i how i respond to the way they treat me and they don't step foot in into the church doors again because of how i treated them shame on me we cannot afford to walk in our own ways in our own thoughts in what we think about people we have to see people through the eyes of jesus we have to give through the hands of Jesus, we have to speak and treat people the way he would treat them. This is why we're here. And pride is arrogant, and it says, well, that's not the way it should be. We have to yield ourselves over to the leadership of the great shepherd and what he's called us to do. And then he's put ordained it and put it inside our shepherd to lead us that way and when we submit to that authority then we're doing the things that he wants us to do the way he wants us to do them and it doesn't cause all the rifts that happen in church people get church hurt they do we've all been church hurt I can raise my hand many times I've been church hurt you don't want to hear my stories we've all been church hurt But I'm just going to tell you right now, if we're submitting ourselves to God, if we're laying down what we think about things and we're walking in love first and foremost, we won't have any church hurt. We won't. Now, there's always going to be people that are carrying their emotions and their feelings on their shoulders, but we're here to love them and encourage them and bless them and help them along the way. Let's be the one that comes up under somebody and lifts them up instead of hammering down on somebody and say, well, you deserve it because that's the way you acted. And so, tough luck, you know. That's just what happens when you act that way. We can't afford to be that way. We want to be here for people. I'm getting off on something else here, but that's all right. Humility is required. You can't grow in something unless you recognize need for it. I recognize a need for us to grow in humility. Me. I'll say me. Amen? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I like the saying, we've said this before, when we walk in the door, we say, there you are. Not, here I am. Notice me. Say something nice to me. Ask me how my day was. How are you today? No, when we walk in the door, we say, there you are. How are you, Verna? I've missed you. I'm so glad to see you. You know, and that's why we have people Text and call, and how are you doing, and we love you, and we make contact. We're not trying to bug you. We're trying to take care of you, right? That's what a church is supposed to be for, to take care of each other, right? To lock arms, to help one another in our ups and our downs, not to judge, not to criticize. Amen? Okay, so humility is not a character trait to develop. It's the natural byproduct of being with Jesus, it's a natural byproduct. product. We become like Jesus when we're hanging out with Him. Have you ever noticed that spouses start to look alike the longer they're together? Well, I don't know about Levi and Amanda. They're never going to look like each other. It's never going to happen. But you know, she's trying to get darker, But you know, there's a lot of folks who, who start to look alike. The longer they're together. Now I don't know about Buddy and Sandra, they're not really looking alike, But, but you have ways. you don't look like me? All right. But you have ways. You can finish each other's sentences a lot of times. there's certain things that you become a lot alike. And you can tell how people think. They think alike. They've been talking. We've been talking to each other. You can tell what I'm thinking and what he's thinking. Now, it doesn't mean I have to think the way he thinks all the time because I'm an individual, right? And we're all individuals. We all have opinions. But when we're hanging out with Jesus... We become like him and we treat people as such. We have his opinion about people, right? Okay, so for the Christian, humility is absolutely indispensable. Without it, there can be no self-knowledge, no repentance, no faith, and no salvation without humility, right? Because how do we come to Jesus? We have to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need him, right? Okay, so you cannot intentionally walk in love without intentionally clothing yourself in humility first. There's a whole lot of stuff we got to do intentionally. <laughs> we have to clothe ourselves in love. How many get up in the morning and put your clothes on intentionally? They don't float on your body. They don't slip on. I like the Jetsons. How many have ever watched the Jetsons? When I was a kid, I watched the Jetsons, and they, they'd get up and... You know, their clothes, they kind of just float along beyond that little running thing. And clothes came on, hat came on, teeth brushed, everything is done by the end of the time you get to the. <laughs> that's not how it works. You have to clothe yourself. And I want to present to you that possibly, perhaps, that this is an important thing to do every day. That we get up in the morning, we say, Jesus, I need you, I love you, I give you this day, this is the day you've made. And I'm asking you to help me. I'm clothing myself. It doesn't say he's going to do it. There, There's there's Pastor Stephen. Let me clothe him in humility. No, it's not a magic trick. You have to do it yourself. You have to put on humility. You have to put on an attitude about others where you're not thinking higher of yourself than them. You're not thinking, well, I deserve this. When we start getting into deserving, we start getting into Uh, victim mentality. We can't get into that mentality, right? We don't deserve anything. What we deserve, Jesus gave us already. And so we have everything we need because of him, and I don't need anything else, right? I'm all sufficient in his sufficiency, amen? Okay, so 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, I'm sorry, 5, 5 and 6, let's look at this. Likewise, You who are younger and of lesser rank, and I don't really like the way that's said that, but that's just the way it says it. It's just meaning that, you know, there's an order. Be subject to the elders, the ministers, and the spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. So there's always an order, if you notice in the scriptures. He'll tell what we need as we go. So first of all, he's basically saying, be subject to the elders. Give way to their counsel. Look to them for counsel. Ask them. Because maybe they know something spiritually if you're the covering here. And there's, there's a, especially with pastors, there's things that sometimes we see and we know ahead of time. And if people don't ever want our counsel, we can't ever help them, right? And so it goes on to say, clothe or apron yourselves, all of you, all of you. That includes us, all of us, leaders all the way, all of you with humility as a garb of a servant, so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you, with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes and he frustrates. How many have been frustrated? And defeats them. But he gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Now, let me just stop there because... I'm thinking, you know, grace is there for us to have. But the word says that he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So if I'm not being humble, if I'm walking in pride, then is it possible that I don't have grace available? It's what the word says. That great. He resists the proud. And you know why I think he resists the proud? Because God himself is humble. He can't take on anything. He can't, he can't hand, I mean, look at the devil. He got kicked out because of pride. He got kicked out of heaven. He thought he was, he was the great musician. We, we know all the stories about him. And because he was in such pride, he got kicked out. That's what kicked him out. And he took some people with him, not people, angels, demons, took them with him because of pride. God resists it, can't have it, but he gives grace to those who are humble. So therefore, humble yourselves, demote or lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he will exalt you. So who does the humbling? Who does it? And why do we have to do it? Because it involves our will. Will. So our will is involved. He can't do anything about our will. It's up to us to submit our hearts before him, right? Okay. If we are intentionally in a place of humbling ourselves, then pride will never present itself to our heart's door. If we're always mindful of being humble before him. If I'm, if I'm always looking for, for what is wrong in others, then I can't ever look for what is right, right? The Word says we overcome evil with good. And if I'm always looking at what's wrong, if I'm always confronting that in my mind, even if I don't say it, even if it's in my mind, the Word talks about it. If you've done it in your heart, you've done it. So we have to put a guard on our heart and on our mind to not allow those thoughts to come in about people. How many have ever gone into a store and and somebody walks in and either, either they are not dressed appropriately or maybe there's a smell or something? And all of a sudden, you start making judgments in your head. You start thinking, wow, I wish that person would go away. Or I wish that person would put on more clothes. Or, you know, you start, and your brain is all in automatic. It just starts going places. But how, what would it be like if somebody walked by and you thought, man, I wonder if that person needs some money for some soap? <laughs> you know, the obvious. Man, I wonder if that person needs some help, maybe just knowing how to do some things, just keeping themselves. And maybe that person doesn't have very many clothes. Maybe I I need to help that person. You know, instead of being judgmental, we offer help. We offer humility. We offer the hand and and, uh, voice of Jesus. Right. Okay, so walking in intentional humility will keep me from the path of accidental pride walking in intentional humility will keep me from the path that's a good place for you to say amen cuz that we might want to say so be it <laughs> because if we are not ever watching after our hearts if we are not watching over the attitude of our heart and i just want to say this if we think we're okay and we're on our way you might be the one that needs to deal with this cuz every one of us deal with this every one of us do and every one of us need to be attentive to our hearts. I'm not responsible for Emma's heart. I can't make her change. I can lead her to the water and I can say, here's the water, drink it. But she it's up to her and God to change, right? That's well, what we do every Sunday. We present the word of God, but it's up to you to change, to make those changes and adjustments in your heart, right? When you go to a chiropractor you can't just sit in the chair and he calls your name and say come back here let me help you let me make an adjustment and you say oh I'm in the I'm in the office it's okay I'll I'll be good now and just leave. No, you got to go put yourself up on the table and allow him to get his hands on you and make an adjustment so that you walk out changed. So it's like an on purpose thing that we have to do to have that adjustment in our life. Right? Praise God. Is this helping you? Okay. So Humility is the ability to view yourself accurately as an individual with gifts and talents as well as flaws while being void of arrogance and low self-esteem. So it goes both ways. We need to be able to see that we do have gifts. And there's some wonderful things on the inside of us where I'm not saying look down on yourself. And I'm not saying walk like a worm. I'm not saying act like there's that you don't have something good on the inside. I'm saying keep your heart right before God and men and men. It's not just about you and God. It's about men too. We have to be careful how we treat one another. Daniel 10, 12 says, then he said to me, fear not Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before God. So he set his mind and his heart to understand, but then he also humbled himself. Your words were heard. Your words were heard. Is it possible that your words are not heard if you're coming to God and saying, well, my mind is right, my heart is right, God, but, eh, you know, there's a little bit of a pride issue, but I think I'm okay because I've got my heart right before you. No, your heart is not right if there's pride at all. And his words were heard because his heart was adjusted and it was humble before God. God heard his words. He can't hear your words if you're proud. He resists the proud, Right? And I have come as a consequence and a response to your words. So God moves on the behalf of our need and our request based on the condition of our hearts. Right? Daniel's words were heard by God because of the position of his heart before him. The position of your heart will determine the course of your life. If you don't like the course of your life, then I would say go to God and say, God, is there some adjusting that I need to do? Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18, this uh, is a different translation. I don't know which one. I think it's the EI. Your, your boast becomes a prophecy of a future failure. Wow. You're actually prophesying your own failure. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you'll fall in disgrace. Dis means the opposite of there is no grace. Zephaniah two three says, "Seek the Lord, inquire for Him, inquire of Him, and require Him as the foremost necessity of your life." All you humble of the land, you have acted in compliance with His revealed will and have kept Him His commandments. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It says, "Seek humility, seek humility." Do we seek humility? Inquire for them, require them as your vital need. It may be, it may be you. Did I write that right? It may be you will be hidden. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So Zephaniah was hoping to avert God's judgment because he was humbling his heart before him. He thought he knew something was getting ready to take place. But he thought, man, I'm going to humble myself before God. I'm going to adjust my heart. I'm going to get in the right position. Praise God. So to intentionally seek after the Lord is to seek his righteous ways and to seek after humility. Inquire for them, require them as your vital need. Proverbs 16:2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. We are all in love with our own opinions, convinced that they're right, correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, Put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. What does it mean? Something I was asking the ladies. What does it mean that the Lord weighs the spirits? What does that mean to you? Tries. What's another word for trying? Test. The Lord examines. How about examines? He examines our hearts. I think sometimes we think, well, when we become born again, we're saved and we're on our way. I'm okay, and I'm on my way. But we're a work in progress. You know, the spirit man becomes brand new. It's all new, new in Christ. But then there's the mind renewal that's required, and the Word talks about it, that we're not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And right now, there's a whole lot that's trying to inform you to be transformed in another way. And I was reading today that they're actually... Uh, trying to come out with a new Bible with the whole artificial intelligence thing. They're going to try to come out with a new Bible, starting a new religion, a new God, new everything. And that's what my husband keeps saying. This is this whole pride thing is is another God. It's another religion that they're trying to get people to bow to. And we have to be careful that the way we combat what's going on is not by anger, not by frustration, not by. Um, resistance to people, resistance to the sin, but not to people. We have to love people because these people need Jesus. And we are the answer to what they need. And if we are combative and we are never offering the answer, they will die and go to hell. They will die and go to hell. And we are the answer here for these people. So we have to, I, I don't know about you, but it takes humility for me to be able to see these people through the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We have to walk in humility in order to be able to give these people the answer, right? What does Matthew eleven twenty nine? 29, it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When we're yoked up to something, you guys have probably seen the animals that have that yoke thing around their neck. I should have brought the picture. But everywhere that animal goes, when it has that yoke on it, it goes with the animal. (laughs) Wherever it goes. I want to ask you tonight, what are you yoked up to? Are you yoked up to frustration? Are you yoked up to anger? Are you yoked up to pride? Are you yoked up to your own ideas and your own desires and your own plans? What's the first and foremost thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning? Is it about lives? Is it about souls? Is it about people? Is it about making a change in this world? Is it about helping people? Are you yoked up to your own stuff, your own problems, your own situation, your own goals, your own aims? Because we're to be yoked up to what Jesus is yoked up, and Jesus gave his all for people. And so if we're yoked up to that, then when someone walks in here, And I have an opinion of them based on how they look. I throw away that opinion, and I get yoked up to what Jesus is feeling, seeing, and hearing about this person. His heart, he was moved with compassion. We should be moved with compassion. Not just here, but out in the world, too. You get what I'm saying. Wherever we go. No, there's a lot of questions right now coming from our little guy because it's so prevalent, and there's so much talk about it, and he's asking me about it, and... You know, we've told him the way and the right way and all that, but he's still asking questions. And I would just encourage parents to be really open and tell them the Bible way because they need to know the right way so they don't learn the wrong way first. But we overcome evil with good. And we have to share the love of Jesus, even with our own family members, our kids, and tell them Jesus died for these people. They need the Lord. Humility requires us to submit ourselves to the ways of Jesus. Humility produces trust. It produces meekness. Humility produces a loving heart, a forgiving heart, a reliance on God and on the good of others. A reliance on the good of others. A reliance on surrender before him. Pride produces a skeptic and critics. When I read this thing, ask yourself, where am I here? Are you a skeptic? Are you always questioning people's motives? Are you always thinking they're saying and doing the wrong thing? Are you critical of people's motives and their words? Are you distrusting? Is there a haughtiness, a self-reliance? Self-reliance, there it is again. Hateful and bitter heart. Unforgiving. Self-focus. Thinking you know more than others that is pride and we have to surrender those thoughts and those ways and those ideas especially as the church but in the church this is not the ways of the spirit this is not the ways of Christ it's not the ways of God and we will not reach the lost if this is the way that we're walking in amen proverbs 8:13 says the reverent fear and worshipful all the lord includes the hatred of evil pride arrogance and the evil way humility is a submitted heart before god so how do we have a humble heart how do we do it how do we how do we submit our heart a humble heart has a dependence on god so you can see right now the world is dependent on itself the moment you are dependent on yourself you are in pride a humble heart trembles Or honors God's word. It's dependent on God's word. A humble heart. I'm sorry, I I skipped it, didn't I? A humble heart has a dependence on God. No, I didn't do it. I'm good. A humble heart trembles or honors God's word. A humble heart lets go of things that are not of God. So we don't hang on to things that are not love. A humble heart is willing. What do you have there? I don't know where it is. A humble heart sees oneself operating out of Christ's strength in times of weakness. I changed it here and I didn't I didn't change it. I changed it there, I didn't change it here. Okay, a humble heart has the fruit of the spirit operating as evidence. So a humble heart sees oneself operating out of Christ's strength in times of weakness. So when we're feeling weak, we gotta lean on his strength. And that's when we feel or when we recognize that humility is there. We're not leaning on our own strength. There's a temptation to think, oh, well, I got this. I can do this. God's God's given me the ability. Okay, but are you really depending on his ability or are you dependent on your own? We have to depend on him at all times. And a humble heart has the fruit of the spirit operating as evidence. What is the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace. We talked about it. So that should be evident in my life. If I'm humbled before him, it's like, you know, Pastor Steve is always encouraging our our main our team in the mornings when we're praying. You know, the evidence of God in your life is joy. The first evidence when people walk in is we should be happy. We should be joyful, right? And I think it's really interesting that the fruit of the Spirit begins with love and it ends with self-control. The bookends are love and self-control. Love and self-control. Self-control. So, if I have self-control, and I'm walking in love towards others, then I truly believe it's it'll be a lot easier to walk in that place of humility towards one another, right? Ephesians 4. Let me put my glasses on. Ephesians 4. Are you guys, good. Ephesians 4:1, 2, and 4 says, "As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling." With tender humility and quiet patience, wow, (laughs) right there, tender humility and quiet patience always demonstrate gentleness, gentleness, and generous love toward one another. Now, let me just stop right there because some people have different personalities, right? We all have different personalities. Aren't you glad God didn't make us all the same? Some personalities are stronger than others and have issues with patience, and have issues with gentleness. <laughs> some people it comes naturally. It's very easy to just walk in that way. Some people it's not as quite as easy. Generous and love towards one another. And some of us, I don't know why, but patience is a huge deal to be able to walk in. And that's why we have to humble ourselves <laughs> before God and say, God, I cannot do this without you. I have to submit myself to your will and your ways so that I can walk in in what you've called me to do towards others. And that's that place of humility. So being one body and one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Did I read number two? No. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. Oh, I like this part. Especially towards those who may try your patience. Patience is not my greatest virtue. I will just be the first one to admit it's, It's coming. It's coming. But I've recognized. How many recognize which areas that you need to grow in? Yeah. And so when you know those are the areas you need to grow in, then those are the areas you have to submit to him. And not just act like you got it. I know I don't got it. I know I need his help in this area. And so I have submitted myself to him. Being one body and one spirit, as you were all called, in the same glorious hope of divine destiny. One more more verse. Philippians 2. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity. This is what's required with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Wow. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts but in, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Let this mind be in you. Let his mind be in you. We have to submit our mind, our hearts, our wills, our ways to his, and let his mind be in you so that you're driven by what drives him. Amen? Does this help you a little bit? So I just want to encourage you, go back over those things that I said, uh, what pride produces and what humility produces, if you took notes. Um, And if you're seeing some areas in your life, ask yourself, Maybe this is an area I need to submit myself to him and to his ways.